Zone World. Our guest this week is the plural MC. As you'll be able to tell in the interview, we go back quite a long ways. Uh, two announcements before we begin. Bring Your Soul to the Function, the song from my newest album. Uh, I'm putting out a video for it on Monday afternoon, directed by my man Justin Barnes. So look out for that. Also, the digital release of the new Shark Tank album is going down sometime this week. Keep a lookout for those things if if you're interested. Art this week, as always, is by Mike Riley from MikeRileyComics.com. And once again, we're being hosted by Splice Today at SpliceToday.com. Let's, Let's go. 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 My father actually worked for... Bendix, which was a company under the NASA umbrella, oh, shit. Um, as a field engineer. Anything too much more specific than that, I wouldn't really know. Yeah. Um, but I do, I always remember getting images from uh, satellite flybys and uh, different different kinds of stickers and things from different missions and stuff that, uh, you know, he was a part of, uh, had something to do with the Mars Rover. Uh, I have to check it out. (laughs) I don't know how much, not probably not much, but credit in the book or whatever. My parents split and my dad eventually dipped the country on kind of like a sudden tip. Yeah. Hmm. Do you know why? I know certain elements about why. Um, yeah. You know, you know, you never get the full story, I suppose, from anything. But um, I, I know he was doing some wild stuff, so, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want to put it out there like that. Yeah. It was definitely hard. It, it I feel like I was kind of a why child, and I like to. I'm, I'm still a why child, so to speak. So, you know, in going through the motions and everything, I mean, yeah, it was, it was, it was really difficult. Um, having two little sisters makes it a little bit even more complicated as a as an older brother. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Why? Why? Well, I'd say just. You know, thinking about them not having a father figure in their life and then trying to be able to um, not provide that but or, or not substitute, but somehow contribute to what would be perhaps missing. Mm. But it's kind of like... Overzealous like, for like a, yeah. a, <laughs> like a young dude to kind of take that. Yeah, but... I mean, I guess that's, you know, that's my mistake, perhaps, but... But it's probably what a lot of kids do in that situation. I would think, I mean, you know. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely very influential um, in my life that happened. I mean, you know, my mom had to do what she had to do, and my dad had to do what he had to do, but 
none of that really made much sense to me. What kind of kid were you back then? I don't know. It was, it was, it's kind of hard to explain. Like I really got amped on things like, you know, dinosaurs and gemstones and different things. And, you know, I was in my own little world. So, um, I mean, I don't, I I don't know how exactly I would describe myself as a, as a, as a character. Yeah. But, um. It was definitely before the dark side crept in. Mm. I could say that, you know. What's the dark side? The dark side <laughs> is where... Well, that's that's just like... I feel like after my parents split and I met a couple of different people that started to, I feel like, influence me and me kind of seeing different things and and stuff. And that ended up to where I get to a point where... All of a sudden, I'm having trouble in school and different things, and and you know, like with my parents splitting up and everything. So that's what I refer to in the dark. It's not like on some, <laughs> not 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 to creep any listeners out or anything. Either on the light side or the dark side. What what was some early like music that you really got into? Well, the the first two tapes I remember having actually. It's kind of funny. Um, It's very funny, actually. But uh, MC Hammer. Let's go. um, Obviously, the one with You Can't Touch This. I can't even remember the the title of the album. And then Criss Cross. Totally crossed out, obviously. Mm. Um, And that just kind of goes to show where I was at in elementary school in terms of, like, the different influences that, you know, at school and stuff. Because... I didn't even know about 92Q. And somebody put me on a 92Q and I had my little tape player Walkman with my radio on and I turned the dial 92Q and I just remember being like, I've never heard anything like this before. Mm. And um, those were my first two tapes. I remember taking an interest in, in Billy Joel, still rock and roll to me. I remember, I mean, it wasn't a whole lot. It wasn't a whole lot. Um... In terms of music, I I, I kind of got opened up to music in, uh, you know, fourth or fifth grade, and it was like Black Sabbath really got me excited when I heard Paranoid, and that was that was kind of brought me into the world of of rock a little bit more. I feel like, and but uh, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff that I was hearing that was really that cool at that exact time anyway so well how did you become more of a rap head mostly what i i took a hold of was method man i'd have to say that's Mm. that's the first person and and to be to to answer the question fully that like from there it just branched out to other new york rap mostly yeah other new york rap nas um buster rhymes uh uh, still pretty limited yeah. at that time. Um, and then eventually, eventually definitely getting out of all that um, and still being down with it, but just going into more diverse regional styles of rap. But, but, I, but like I always, how? I always wondered, like, it seemed like you, like... Well, I knew this dude that 
listen to a lot of rap and he would he was the kind of guy that would basically just tell you like oh you didn't hear that you didn't were you listening you weren't listening you know and, and he you know i've really got to to study like songs and like you had to know the whole like like he said something cool and you weren't listening so why even listen to it basically was kind of his theory on it and he'd rewind it and we'd listen to it did you hear that? And if I couldn't understand it, he keep you know he keep doing it. But he he I'm not sure why he was listening to different stuff. I guess partially because Cash Money was popular then. Cash Money Records and Big Timers, you know, get your roll on and and all that stuff was really popular. And I think just the the difference in in New Orleans rap from like what you're used to hearing it's just was so like it's just really it really kind of got me thinking maybe I don't even know much about this stuff. Yeah. Uh, this is so different. Like I'm hearing these like synth trumpets and stuff and it's <laughs> just it's like, this sounds really cool because I've always been a keyboard guy and stuff. So, I mean, from there, it's just, just exploring. I've I always listened to, a, uh, I like to explore with music and with rap once I found out how different the different regions were, then just kept going. I mean, and was it like from the and, and I sold CDs in high school? Yeah, with Napster. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, a statute of limitations on this. <laughs> Limitations. You should break that down because I feel like that's really okay. Like, that's specific a, it's to important. The time. It's important. Um. So basically, <laughs> before. You just you used to have to go to the store. You'd buy a, a CD or a, maybe a tape, whatever. But if you wanted to to listen to something that wasn't on the radio that you didn't record from somebody onto a cassette tape, then you had to go to the store and get you had to buy it. <laughs> I mean, it sounds funny now, but that's that's how it was. But then it got to be where this this um, computer program Napster came out, where they invented this idea where you can search other people's hard drives for their music on this giant network. So ultimately people would upload stuff and then once it was there, anybody could kind of get it and for free. So I don't even know how I even came up with this one, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I obviously needed some money. Uh, I felt like, I don't know, to buy CDs probably. Who knows? what, But I I would go around school and I I'd look for like a dude that looked like he might listen to rap based off of like how hip hop style he looked and then I'd let him know that if he wanted something let me know <laughs> and you know it's it was it was okay I mean I found out about a lot of different things that way too because mm. they they tell me you know get, go get Camp Low okay Camp Low okay I you know never heard that okay go get you know do you have this. I mean, I remember when Turk was supposed to come out. God, that do you have Turk? Do you have the Turk? It's not out yet, but people, no, it's out. <laughs> no, it's not out. So anyway, I cha- I'd listen to stuff that I would probably never even uh, give a chance just because I had it, you know. But yeah. But when when that when that was happening, it was just like people were ecstatic to buy the CD for five dollars, and then they, you know, it, it. I mean, looking back on it, I feel like not cool about it at all. I mean, I sound nonchalant talking about it, but like 
that's just how that's just how it was. And in my <laughs> mind at the time, I didn't view it like, well, I'm ripping artists off or I'm doing. I didn't think much about it. I, you know, just like a, a, a little hustle. Um, and it was kind of cool because like the teachers could like see you hustling, and it was like they didn't really know what to do or didn't really care. So <laughs> it was like okay, but I mean, you know, in retrospect, that's it, I would consider myself part of the the problem. And you know, look where <laughs> where music is today and everything, and that that's really what makes me, I think, more um, aware of that. I feel like all of those dudes. Or like millionaires, basically, and you're just making this five dollars or whatever. So it's like not. Well, I, I mean, know. I mean, if Jay Z came out, I'd make more than five dollars. Right, if, right. If, if Eminem came out, you know, there were certain <laughs> records that, like, you know, but like you said, they they cleared plenty. Yeah. So it wasn't like I, I was breaking yo's. But when I say part of the problem, and this is for all the young listeners out there. Part of the problem is I was thinking that it it's not anything to 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 get somebody's music without giving them something for giving it to you. How do you get the idea to start rapping? I was exploring uh writing oh, yeah. um creative writing and i and I did some some open mic uh recitation of some of my work and I was I was feeling good about some things uh I, I did a lot of stuff at the was called the coffee junction on Frederick Road in Catonsville proper um a night that was run by uh Dr. Gary Blankenberg who was actually a creative writing teacher for me later on uh after that so I kind of was playing with these rhythmic verbal um abstract r- style of writing that kind of was written in like in a way that lended itself towards rap a little more than I even realized. Yeah. And I did a bunch of me and my boys used to go out and we'd uh record different things on you know distorted guitar and keyboard stuff on my sister's karaoke machine have like a cheap karaoke machine little kid thing hanging from the ceiling and trying to make these record and one of them i did two songs maybe i still have this and there's like some rap on there um i guess i guess just natural evolution of my writing and not really feeling like I was getting maybe what I I wanted to be getting out of my uh, writing also. I I enjoyed writing, but I wanted to be able, I mean, to to be more specific, to have a a backing musical track as opposed to just my, my lyrics. You didn't know that you wanted that? No, I, I I had never had it and didn't realize that's what was missing. And I guess that would even be probably when I met you. Oh. At that point. I mean, before then, I guess it was mostly like writing to writing to the rhythm of my own words, basically. Yeah. You know, the, the iambic pentameter. 
I said that right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because, yeah, like when we Index first card, met, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was the index card, yeah. Yeah, to, to, for anybody that's curious, I had these index card, like, style raps, and I, I think that hype particularly was like, who's this guy with the index card? <laughs> but I need to say uh, that I actually met Mick Free first um, in that time period when I met him. That was in... Gary Blankenberg's creative writing class. He was in a different class and he was malingering a little bit. <laughs> and I was coming in and I had the, the new Jizza Beneath the Surface CD. And I was, you know, I've always been a huge Jizza fan. Respect to Jizza. Um, and, and I just remember being really excited about it. And Mickey, I just kind of showed him, or he, he said something about. Have you, you know, you like, do you like that? I, I can't even say what he, what he said for sure, but it was like, you know what the jizz <laughs> Yeah, I remember him being like, he was like, there's this metal dude that likes jizz in my class Right, and, well, see, that's the funny thing is he was, I feel like, equally right. surprised about me. <laughs> right. Like, you like the jizz Right. <laughs> so, you know, and... And, I mean, it didn't take long in the conversation for him to basically break it down that, like, oh, yeah, like, we're in a rap group and, like, yeah. we're doing these, like, recordings. Right, right. And it's just like... And I I, I think I, I got a tape from him, um, which would have been the four-track... Or, yeah, a four-song EP of Wounds... Um, I remember Black Cherry, Heart's Blood, Armored Elephant. I know there's another one, but um, I I was like bumping it in my mom's minivan tape player like all the time, like driving around. (laughs) And I just remember like before I had met you, I had heard you rhyme. So it was like, I remember seeing you one day in the stairwell and just being like, oh, like, respect to, like, your rhymes or whatever. And you just seem, oh, like, you know, like, <laughs> thank you. And I, I feel like, I, I guess we just started kind of, like, looking out for each other and stuff in the hall and stuff after that. Yeah. To be fair, there wasn't like a lot of people that were really going out on the limb to to make music. Mm. I mean, I, I guess there were, but there there wasn't many. A lot of Caden's, yeah. well, not that type of music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people people were making other styles of music, but like, I mean, if you were white, you weren't <laughs> you weren't rapping. I mean, but before Eminem, I mean, really, people weren't really even sure. If the, if it even counted, right? In, in right. a lot of ways, you know, and and that might sound strange to people now, but I mean, I remember one time me and Toxic were late trying to hit up the what's it, the Five Seasons, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and they had this this freestyle battle night thing that I don't know what we were thinking trying to go to that, but uh. It was too late, and these dudes were coming out of there, and they had a they had a ghetto blaster, and they're like, "What are you doing?" Basically, to me, like, "What are you doing here?" We weren't there yet; we were on our way, but they're just kind of like, "You, you obviously shouldn't be here." And 
I was like, we're like, no, we were gonna go, ba- we we're gonna go battle and and whatever. And he's, oh, you can do Eminem, Bubba Sparks, whatever you want. And then <laughs> and then he pulled the ghetto blaster out and I'm just like, here, come on. And he like put on an Eminem beat, and mm. it was just like, I mean, it was it was it was like that. It was like you you had to, for it to count. When I say count, you know, it was like. This guy's imitating rap versus this guy's rapping. Yeah. When did you get the idea of like plural? You know, like you got the index cards and everything, but like, like when did you get the idea of like I'm um, this like act? Just remember being like under pressure in some way to to come up with something, and I was trying to come up with some names. It's hard to come up with a name. Yeah, I mean, you can come up with any old name and call yourself that, but if you're gonna stick with it, I mean, kind of a hard thing to and feel good about it, you know. So, I remember one of the the names that like I was considering was Socrates, and I remember telling Mick that I was thinking <laughs> that he was like basically like trying to be like as nice as possible, but like you really don't <laughs> want to do that. And I'm really glad he told me that because. I would hate to be the Socrates MC. And, and but I guess when did you start like working on start to be like I'm working on this album or even getting that that idea in your head? Well, after you invited me to write for your album and I was able to go into the studio with Chris and lay down my verse for the Height album, I was like Okay, this feels this feels good and you know, you were uh, you know, having the solo album made me think, well, you know, I guess all I need is beats. I need, I need tracks. So a lot of what ended up happening uh was getting these instrumentals from uh, when I say instrumentals, instrumentals of radio not radio tracks necessarily, but but rap tracks that were sold on the black market as just the instrumental version for this type of purpose. So, yeah. so I you know I used this and that beat. Thanks, Kanye. Uh, uh-huh. You know, <laughs> different different people uh, that you know they these songs were already well-known songs. I, I wouldn't do something like that now and feel comfortable, but at, at the time, it was like, I need something to rap over, and, you know, it's not like it was easy to find a producer that was willing to, to like, put his energy into you, because, I mean, the producers I knew, Shields, uh, uh, I mean, everybody's doing their own thing, kind of for for there as much as they can and you know how you know anyway so once once it gets to that point where i'm trying to get beats like that i'm like well shit i make my own beat but i don't have any gear so then we run into the like hey mick can i use the motif and the reason and so i i bummed a lot of a lot of the early beats that i did for for my album that was me working on uh on Mick Free's station. Um, yeah. Shouts to Mick Free and Chris yeah. Free. Uh, 
and and I'd say I don't I guess it was just in the in the idea that I could get it all together I mean I don't even know that I was necessarily thinking about an album at first I just was thinking you know write these raps and it was something that I did as a pastime and then it got to where it was a thing that seemed like it could be done I even remember I had a, a a bunch of material but didn't really think I had enough for an album and you I think told me like I think you should just you know if if you if I think you have enough basically I th- I don't know if that's true or not but I feel like you told me something like that, that and, sounds right. and I remember going in to I having trouble remembering the guy's name but Strychnine Studios was the name of his studio and he was um dude from 80 80 milligrams i think toxic was the dude that somehow got his contact info mm. and and uh i'm not sure how he how he ended up with that but i just remember him being like yeah dude does 12 dollars an hour or whatever and i'm just like all right yeah. Like, let's go. So went in there and he had the booth and, and everything. And I just remember feeling good in the booth and just feeling feeling pretty confident that I was going to go in there and just, like, be done in a couple hours. And then yeah. I found out the reality of recording that everything doesn't go as fast as you would think, mm. you know, it's going to go. I mean, there's just certain technical things that take a minute to do. The idea of having to bounce something didn't register to me you know going in the thing, oh yeah just finish the songs up but i think he did a good job uh i think he did a good job on the recording yeah it's cool that was pluralism that was my first album yeah. pluralism my first two albums were a lot different than my later albums and they were a little more street <laughs> a lot of what I feel like was happening there is a certain element of imitation more so than original style. Um, I mean, my, my writing is always unique to me just because the way I write just happens to work out like that, even if I am imitating. Right. But um, cer- certain choices and things will just be, be unique to me. But... I had never heard anything besides, like, I don't know, like, MC Paul Bar- Barman or whatever. Like, I hadn't really heard, like, a lot of stuff that wasn't really street like that. Mm. So, um, I mean, I guess maybe I had, but it didn't, it didn't really, didn't really register. I, I guess I did feel, I guess I did feel to a certain extent obligated to write like that but not consciously I guess I was just trying to do what seemed like what it seemed like you do I guess what made that like go away Chris Freeland how so the third album was a result of going to Gigolo Nights in Arbutus and visiting with Chris one night and him telling me that he had a beat for me. This was during early Frenemies uh, time period. Uh, 
Actually, I guess this would have been around birds in high school time, so not early frenemies, but later. Uh, And he gave me a track which was originally going to be on the Birds in High School album that he recorded in Catonsville High School with uh, desk sounds and, and different things like that. And I got these beats, and for me, these beats weren't like what I had been rhyming to before. And I, I just felt this like freedom to be able to branch out from that. Mm. Um, so, I mean, a lot of what I was rhyming over were, were songs that were street. Uh, yeah. Without the the lyrics in there, that right. would be you know so. So um, to have the freedom to kind of rhyme over like, you know, like hat trick, like songs like that, like it, it was it was it was kind of a throwback to before I was rapping almost to where it was like I can write any way I want. Mm. So, um, and, and also just being being into the the idea that it didn't really you didn't have to live in some kind of reality in songs you can live you you can you can put yourself in a in a in a whole different place and 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 create a whole different environment and and everything within within the the backdrop of a song listening to the music came up with these kind of out outrageous ideas and concepts that just seemed to still make sense as rap to me. Yeah. <laughs> Upon receiving these this disc full of tracks, he said I said rather, you know, thanking him saying that Thanks a lot. It's, it's something to go home to. Something to go home to is what I what I told him, and yeah. he said that's what the name of the album should be. And then the gavel went down, and then that's so that's how that that album came to be called something to go home to. And I literally did go home, and and uh, I'm not sure what song I would have started on, but if I had to guess, it would have been sitting and waiting. Mm. Uh, I am pretty sure I went home that night and and started with that. So sitting and waiting, that's that's interesting that that would be the first song. Uh, almost as if like this kind of like alternate style had been sitting and waiting. If I remember right, it, it was kind of like a long process of working on that album, right? Yeah, Chris had never really, I shouldn't say never, but he had done... Not a lot of recordings before that. Um, I mean, he still had done a fair amount, but I mean, his 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 uh, ability at that time uh, was definitely had to do with not what took so long, but um, that was mostly the writing and and trying to get things better. Uh, in terms of the mixing process and everything, but part most of that album was done on uh, his old eight track, analog eight track. So yeah, he was like keeping it moving with that for like the longest time. Yeah, and that was I mean, MK two Tascam 
I that sounds right. I, I, I had it written down. I can't remember. But, I mean, so we're punching in and punching out with the record button and the play button. You know? Yeah. Like, it was, it was, on, it was analog. But it took a while, and I, I'm not 100% sure what even made it take a while. It, it actually never really... It, it, this is a recurring theme to a certain extent, but it never really came out. There's no official artwork for something to go home to. Um, no one, yeah. So, so it, it, it's kind of like I guess taking a really long time because it's still not really <laughs> out. But it was in my mind. I felt like this thing was like gold in terms of the songwriting and the beats, and I still think it is, and me and Chris often talk about if if it was different time, like if he was recording that album now, how good that would sound. Mm. And shoulda, woulda, coulda, you know, all that retrospect talk is, you know, everybody can say stuff like that, but I, I really feel very good about like all that songwriting choices that I that I made on that album and and just the 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 variety of styles that I I decided to incorporate yeah. as opposed to 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 being somewhat narrow-minded in terms of scope um, mm. for for what would be on a rap album I guess but it it was it was a very free style of writing and I think maybe I I took a little longer with with that album um like I said it eventually switched to where he upgraded and we weren't doing it analog anymore uh Carl Saff mastered it um and the final product of it just it just didn't quite just it sonically it wasn't what either of us wanted it to be but um, it was just something that very likely could have never ever happened. So it was it was just exciting to have met to for all the different things to fall into place for him to give me those beats yeah. and for us to go in and record together and do that. That was very uh, it, was, it was very I feel like an unlikely occurrence that to me I in my head I'm like everybody's gonna love this you know but it's it's a little bit weird. It was a little bit weird, and and not having the sonic quality that um, we would have wanted, I don't think that that helped. Mm. Um, what do you What do you mean when you say it never came out? Like, because you did a run of CDs, right? No. Uh, what about like at Wartscape? You had the CDs. Oh uh, well, I mean, I guess I did have. I mean, just some like CDRs in the sleeve that, oh, okay. that, I, that I, you know, burned at home and like, yeah. wrote something to go home to on that I that I gave away. But, but I guess that's technically the run of CDs. <laughs> but that's like more like coming soon or something. Yeah, that was yeah. Kind, that was like a promo kind of a thing. Right, was right, the right. idea, I guess. Surprisingly enough, Def Jam didn't come um, knocking <laughs> on my door. And if they did, maybe I just wasn't home. I don't know. 
I'm not really sure. I, I don't know if I had my phone listed or whatever, but <laughs> in case you guys were looking for me. <laughs> but was there like, was there a lot of that? Like, set, were you trying to like, be like, we got to get a label to put this out? No. I, I, I feel like I had a little bit of a fictitious view of like the way things work at that time and I don't know that I thought I had to really do anything else but like make really good music mm. not even necessarily record really good music just have it that it could <laughs> be really good music you know um, and that seemed to really be what I thought was really all that you really needed to do but perhaps even really could do uh, I don't know um, didn't know really a lot of people in Baltimore doing any kind of independent label stuff. I did know that there, I, I do know so, now that there were some people doing that, but at the time I didn't. Yeah. Um, I was, hadn't moved into the city yet at that point. That's such a common experience. And it's so, like, shitty to be like, Oh, wait, it's even harder than I thought it was before. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, did that make you be like, I got to do something different? Well, I don't, I don't know that it, that it was that helpful. I don't know (laughs) that, that I even developed that from it. I feel like it was probably more detrimental than that. Um, one thing that for me, Chris would, Chris would, I'd have to fact check a little with Chris on this, but when, when we were doing our thing, he was doubling, that was the double up on his frenemies thing. Like he was like going hard with his frenemies thing. And I mean, that had some some really awesome musicians that are in pretty big bands now in, in his band. Right. Uh, uh, so it was, and they used to play in Jiggle Nights all the time. And, and his, you know, he was, fo- he was focused on that. So to be doing this extra thing was, you know, that was extra for him, but it was like, he put a lot of his heart into frenemies and everything. And, and uh, once he, Again, I have to fact check with him on exactly how he was feeling, but once he got to where he was, to a certain extent, disillusioned, it wasn't really like, it didn't seem like it was going to be like another plural frenemies thing or like, or or that it was going to really get anywhere because he didn't seem to really be um, headed in that direction at that point. So I felt a little bit maybe just uh, ambivalent about where I was where I was exactly going at that point. I, I didn't really have any idea what was going on because I really liked his his production and I and recording with the guy that did the production was cool and everything. So it was it, it worked out well in that way and then it was like well now that's not there so I was in a certain to a certain extent forced to do something different um those are kind of like the lost years 
in some ways. I mean, I guess we're talking about between 2008, 2007, and 2010. Oh, okay. 2008, 2009, or something like that. Mm. Because if something, something, to go, something to go Home 2 never officially came out, and then the Kick of Freeze semi came out, but pretty much didn't come out. So it was like the lost years kind of in terms of like anything actually um, really being available to people. This was also during the height of MySpace, which I guess we should perhaps touch on considering yeah. that was a huge stimulus for for the, the music, the underground music community and things. Um, a lot of A lot of what was going on then was like, well, how many hits can you get on your your MySpace? And I did some different things where, you know, I'd have, try have like a new freestyle every Monday. I did this thing for a little while. It was Monday morning rap breakfast. And, you know, different ideas like that where I'm sitting here trying to come up with ways to get people to listen to hit my MySpace instead of maybe focusing on, on songwriting and things like that. So... The more I did that, the more I learned that I, w- I want to do less of the other things. I want to have a lot to do with the recording process, but other than that, like I, I want other people, I- I'd like to get someone else to be able to take care of the artwork or someone else to mm. do this and stuff. And I'm becoming very aware of the fact that like none of these people are doing this this stuff by themselves. Oh yeah. I mean, some some people do a lot more than others by themselves, but it's just like it's just too much stuff. And and I just want to be like one of those I want to be one of those rappers that's just like chilling with the pineapple juice and just like what? All right. Like I got my rap. You know, I don't want to be like always trying to come up with with this or that and stuff and that's that's part of to my detriment, why I, um, I don't do much promotion for myself is just that it's just it's not really it's not really in me to do that. Perhaps it used to be more than it is now, but I'm just like I'm almost like shy with my shit. Mm. Like I don't I don't tell like people like I'm an MC because people don't. I feel like it's like you could say that now and it doesn't really mean that much. Like, oh, I'm an MC. Okay, so you like, you know, recorded onto your like iPhone and like did a like song or whatever. I mean, Tony Danza did a rap. Right. Is Tony Danza an MC? Right. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, no disrespect to Tony Danza, but I wouldn't call him that. Yeah. It's a crazy thing to think about. Like, there's all these different ways to grind, but I feel like no, nobody can do all of them. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> definitely, like, definitely, definitely. Like the MySpace thing, like I feel like probably so many people, like almost every band or rapper, like so many people were probably like, "All right, we got to make a plan." Like the like Monday morning breakfast or whatever it is like 
Yeah. Like, it's like, we got to do something to, like, make this work for us. And I feel like something worked for a few people. And then everybody else, it was like, nothing <laughs> worked or something. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, at that point, again, I, I don't know where it what I exactly thought was going to happen, but I figured, you know, I make some music, whatever. I don't have to come up with a, a big plan. The Monday morning rap breakfast, that was definitely an example of trying to come up with some kind of plan. But, man, I spent most of that time looking for girls on there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, like, I was, like, not spending most of my time on there trying to look for girls, but it was like I wasn't. I wasn't really trying to network the way that I should have been networking. Mm. I didn't understand the benefits, I guess, of that. You know, I, I, I didn't, I never, I didn't do a whole lot of paying attention to the bands and the, the artists and things that I was, the musicians that I was listening to. So I didn't really know all the different things that they did to, to get popular or what they didn't do or, or I, I mean, I didn't really have like too much to really go on on like what is the right or wrong thing to do or whatever. So I just kind of was just playing it. However, and, um, the MySpace thing, that was just like, Oh, there's like, I could be talking to girls or guys. So who am I going to, I talk to these, <laughs> right, these right. girls instead of like being like, well, there's these guys that rap in like Denver or something. Like maybe I should see what's up with them. And I did a little something, try and get some stuff overseas and stuff, but I never got a good plan with anything like that. My little type of plan that I got was, you know, it did a little something what it did, but um, I don't think I, I took full advantage of that MySpace opportunity. And if I did, maybe stuff would have worked out better for me. But I'm sure that MySpace definitely gave people some stimulus to, to come up with a plan. Because all of a sudden, it's like, you got your own like little TV station kind of thing. Where you can put your message out there. And if you do something right, then it will matter. Right. Like, right. you all of a sudden have the potential to do something. So people are just like, oh... This person might have a plan, so like I gotta have a plan, and you see a lot of different imitation things, you know, happening, and and uh, it it was a strange time for music, and it and it got to where it was a little bit overwhelming because there's so many different artists coming out of things because all of a sudden they can't. Relentless self promotion for me at one point didn't seem to be like that annoying but like now I just feel like even like if people would want me to I just don't really <laughs> I don't really do too much talking about what I do it's it's kind of a personal thing for me more than than anything else um but I would love to have someone else relentlessly promote for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some like cute girl, maybe. I'm hiring interns. <laughs> but in terms of like promoting, it's like people are, are 
essentially promoting themselves on on these things. It's like, well, I'm at the Cypress Hill concert. Right, right. It's it's part of, and it's like the same thing with like taking the picture of the food. Part of it is just making, it's just to try and make you jealous. <laughs> right. Don't right. you wish you got to see this? You can kind of see it, but I mean, the, the, in terms of promotion though, it's like, how do you harness that into promoting music? Like, right. it's, you know, there's, there's pretty, pretty confusing. And, and I guess that's part of when really my, my promotion fell off was after MySpace became no longer. Once MySpace was not the thing, I just felt like, oh, but I have done so much to mm. get to where I am on MySpace that, you know, what am I going to do this on Facebook now? And I just never really picked it back up after that. So Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird to be like... And then it's like, okay, and what about when Facebook is no longer the thing? Then I just well, jump yeah, that's, to the next one. You know? Right, that's what I thought. And I was like, I, I hate moving. <laughs> right, right. I don't want to have to move again. Right. So, I mean, it, I'm still, I get really excited when people are like down to check out my shit or are interested to check out my music or like recognize me from a show or stuff. I mean, that, that. That gets me really excited. It's not that I don't care if other people are into it. It's just that I don't, I don't consider it something that, that is that is really part of what I'm doing. I just view it as like I'm I'm doing my thing and and I want it to be the best recording it can be for myself. Mm. And somehow that's important. That that's that's important enough to do it all. Um, right, you know, and go, you know, go in the hole with putting it out, and then the whole thing. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's worth all that to me to do it, and it's like I could just do it and not try and have anybody hear it if I really didn't want anybody to hear it or didn't care. So it's not that I don't care; it's just that I, I feel like you can be really annoying trying to promote yourself. Rap spaceship for me was. I don't want to say that it was ever in my head that this was going to be my last album, but it was in my head that not that it could be, but like that to a certain extent, this was a make or break kind of a Mm. album, not necessarily make or break, but it was a make or I, I don't know if I would even describe it as that actually, but I would say that I viewed it as okay. This is this is an important album, and I'm going to have like the photo shoot for the 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 art installation that I built for this, and and have it be like a a big insert in the book, and you know a a, a name name brand mastering job, and you know. Just, just a bunch of stuff that I really tried thinking that if I do this, it's going to increase the, it's going to increase the the value of what I'm putting out, and I think it yeah. did, but I don't think, and I think I was successful at that for the most part. I just don't think that I, it costs a lot of money to do it the way I did it, and. Uh, 
as we discussed a little earlier in terms of people you know buying music and things you can kind of screw yourself over if you plan on even trying to make your money back yeah if you want to spend you know do these like color inserts and things like that and not griping about it at all i'm very happy that i did it exactly the way i did it and uh, i don't i don't regret any of that um and uh i I am really happy that i met lex and was able to he was able to influence me uh with his with his musical gifts to to create that and he's a great producer He's he's a phenomenal producer. Um, he's check him out. But have you have you guys been working? He moved on out of oh. town. He left oh, okay. town. I'm not sure where he went. I got to be in touch. Mm. But he hasn't been really making rap beats. Mm. When I talked to him, he hadn't been really doing much rap beats. But um, which is obviously a shame for me. Yeah. But uh, and for anybody else that likes these Lex joints. Is there a a newer project in the in the works? Yeah, I actually um just completed the mixing for the new project today. Oh wow. Uh feeling really good about it. You and Chris again? Uh Chris Chris recorded and yeah, the, I would say co executive produced mm. along with myself. Um, who's on the beat we got some shields beats have some fireside beats we have some beats by Joe Benny Um, got a Lex beat and some some beats by myself oh awesome Um, so a little bit of a variety but all all very solid production, I'd have to say. What's it called? Street Poison. Let's go. Street Poison. Okay. So, and it's it's a little bit back to back to I wouldn't say back to the pluralism, Tropic of Cancer Corn, not to that extent, but it's it's. It's a little bit further outside of the, the fantasy world of uh, something to go home to and rap spaceship. Mm. So a little bit more something to knock in the car, a little bit more something to just like get down to. Mm. Not necessarily as uh, as experimental. And it's I, I'm excited about this album. Perhaps enough to promote it. <laughs> so we'll we'll see we'll see um, where it ends up headed in the next few months. But um, looks like we'll be sending it out to get mastered. Awesome. Uh, in the next week or so. Awesome. With no exact plans yet on what or whom we'll be putting it out. Yeah. Cool. Anything else you want to mention? I mean, I guess I'd just like to give a shout out to anybody that was um, around for any 
parts of any of these stories mentioned or, or anybody that was influential or, or helpful to me in, in any of these times or building up to any of these times. Uh, uh, as much as I say all this stuff is, is really for me and, and this and that, again, I, I, everybody else plays a part too and, and it's been really cool to meet a lot of different people and to work with different people and uh and, and to be able to learn different things from from different people and experiences along the way um most of the time i feel like when i when i go out and like someone someone like would ask me hey well what's up you know with with floral mc stuff or whatever they might not get like an answer that's really gonna um it's really gonna reflect what's really going on so it's cool that i got a, at least an opportunity to do uh interview like this to at least explain maybe some things that that may not be understood and stuff and that uh the people that are taking a, the time to actually listen to this respect to you guys, I may have never met you and you may not have any part to this story, but that's awesome that you're still listening. Um, stay up. All right. Thank you so much, Neil, for setting it off. See you next week.